Welcome back to Cancer in Our Community, a podcast brought to you by the Office of Community Outreach, Engagement and Equity at Moffitt Cancer Centre and made possible by a generous gift from Dr. Michael Fogelbaum and Ms. Judith Rosman by the Top Jewish Foundation. This episode was recorded for the month of October, which is nationally recognized as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. In 2020, the American Association for Cancer Research released the Cancer Disparities Progress Report, in which they describe how black women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer compared with white women, which may be a reflection of how black women are more likely to be diagnosed at a later stage of disease when treatment is less likely to be successful, they are more likely to be diagnosed with triple negative, a more aggressive form of breast cancer. Systemic racism on delivery of cancer care results in black women being more likely to receive incomplete treatment for breast cancer. To discuss some of these disparities and the research being done to address them, for this episode we had the great pleasure of speaking with physician and breast cancer specialist, Dr. Iman Washington. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cancer in Our Community, where we are having conversations about black health equity. My name is Dr. Brandon Blue. I'm an oncologist in malignant hematology at Moffitt Cancer Center, and I am your podcast host. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with one of my colleagues and friends here at Moffitt, Dr. Iman Washington. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. It's good to hear that. And honestly, before we begin, I want to tell the audience a little bit about your background. So for those that don't know, Dr. Washington received her medical degree from Duke University School of Medicine and completed her prelim year of residency at Northwestern um, in Chicago. She recently completed her radiation oncology residency at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Washington is now an assistant member here at Moffitt in the breast section in radiation oncology at the Moffitt Breast Program. Finally, she has also been engaged in the visual arts since adolescence and still enjoys paintings with acrylics. We invited Dr. Washington here today because of her expertise in breast cancer. And of course, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we really wanna make sure we focus on breast cancer health. All right, question number one, Dr. Washington. Could you just begin by telling us briefly, you know, what are some things that we know about breast cancer as it arises? What's important for the black community, especially black women to know about breast cancer? Yeah, so um, I think it's kind of helpful to understand um, what we know about where breast cancer arises in the body. Um, So specifically, kind of background in, uh, in anatomy, I think is helpful. So the, the breast is made of fibroglandular tissue. So there's the structural part, and then there is the portion um, that's made up of lobules um, and lobes that where milk is produced. And the ducts um, are tubes that carry the milk to the nipple. So breast cancer arises in the ducts or the lobules. We don't know exactly how it develops. That's something that a research is um, investigating. However, we know that there are several risk factors 
uh, related to uh, the development of breast cancer. So there are some major risk factors um, like genetic mutations. Um, the BRCA1 mutation, for instance, is uh, the highest risk and probably the one that people are most familiar with. But there are also environmental factors and um, other biological factors or behavioral factors that have been implicated in increasing the risk of breast cancer. So that's anything from factors that increase a woman's or related to a woman's uh, lifetime exposure to estrogen. So that has to do with age at menopause or when they get their period, there's modest risks associated with that. Obesity has been implicated um, as estrogen can be made in adipose tissue, and that's more where estrogen comes from in postmenopausal women, for instance. Smoking, alcohol are factors as well. A main risk factor is just age. So as women get older, they're more likely to get breast cancer. Uh, most breast cancers are diagnosed in women over the age of 50. And one in eight women in their lifetime in the U.S. will be affected by breast cancer. So as far as black women specifically, there are higher rates of more aggressive types of breast cancer in the black community. So there's something called triple negative breast cancer where the tumors don't recognize estrogen or progesterone uh, and they're HER2 negative. So these are all terms that help us to uh, describe the cancer and help us determine what some of the best treatment for the cancer would be. There's another aggressive type of breast cancer called inflammatory breast cancer, and black women are more likely to be diagnosed with that. So there's the aspect of what kinds of breast cancer there's a disparity in when it comes to black women. A, being diagnosed at a younger age is also a factor. So it's really important for black women to be aware of these risks um, so that they can undergo appropriate screening and be aware of when to see their see their doctor and when to undergo kind of a, a appropriate screening, which may be at an earlier age, depending on their overall risk. So um, from what I know about this mutation that you just brought up, you know, I know uh, Angelina Jolie kind of made that very popular, um, this BRCA or BRCA mutation. But can you tell the people just for those who weren't aware of that? Is this something that like if your mom has it, if your grandma has it, if your great great grandma has it, sister has it, like like who in your family would have breast cancer that you would be worried about something like this or how should people move if they know that there's a family member or somebody affected can you just educate the people and let them know yeah so the main risks are going to be related to first degree relatives so that's your you know your mother your sister your daughter if there are multiple family members on one side of the family that have breast cancer um, that's also those are increased kind of familial risk of breast cancer. Um, and women in that setting should talk to their physician about genetic testing. Um, and if they are candidates for or appropriate for earlier screening. So what I hear you saying is that if someone is diagnosed with breast cancer specifically, they should probably tell other members of their family because it possibly could help them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good. You know, one of the other things that you brought up were some of the factors that potentially could make breast cancer worse. Like, I know you said obesity and smoking and some of those things. Do you typically recommend people when they get diagnosed to like stop those things? Or would you say, well, I got the cancer. <laughs> might as well keep going. Or, or like if they lose weight or if they stop smoking, could that help them at all? Yeah. Yeah. So women are going to have better outcomes if they're smoking to stop smoking. Even after you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, um, women have better outcomes when they engage in regular exercise. So I talk to my patients, you know, even after treatment about regular exercise and alcohol consumption. Um, there are recommendations for limiting that to, you know, no more than on the high end would be one drink a day. And that's important for overall risk as well. And it's important to remember, we talk about even after women have been diagnosed and treated for breast cancer, um, to engage in healthy living and continue with routine screening for other cancers to improve how they do overall. Yeah. Something that I think you would be the excellent person to really help clarify for the audience is um, when we hear the word cancer, there's so many different things that come to my mind. You know, one of those things being chemotherapy, you know, another of those things being radiation. But to be honest, I don't think we really have a good idea of like, what is radiation? And in your field, you're a radiation oncologist. Like, could you at least tell the people like, what is radiation? Are you going to zap them or something? Like what, what's happening there? Yeah. So radiation oncology, like you were kind of alluding to. So there's, there's three types of oncologists. I kind of put it in categories, right? So you have your surgical oncologist who is going to talk to you about removing the tumor. Medical oncology uh, uses medication for the treatment of cancer. And radiation oncology uses radiation therapy. So most patients with breast cancer are treated with the kind of radiation, just like if they were to go for a chest x-ray, um, it doesn't hurt to get radiation. They're not going to be radioactive. A question that I get fairly commonly is, can I still be around my family? Can I pick up my grandkids? Um, and, and all of that is fine. All of that is fine. So radiation is directed at an area of interest. For breast cancer, uh, we're typically talking about treating microscopic disease after, you know, after they've undergone surgery. In a, in, there are certain settings where that's, doesn't apply, but for women who are undergoing curative therapy, um, that's what, that's what we're doing. You know, it's so many myths and kind of, I think, misunderstandings about radiation. Could you maybe give us a couple like positives and negatives? Like, hey, these are some positive things that I think that could potentially why radiation actually might help. And then maybe, you know, this might be some of the side effects. So if you are a person going through radiation, hey, these are some things to watch out for. Yeah. Radiation helps to reduce the risk of the cancer coming back for women who are undergoing curative therapy for their breast cancer. When you reduce the risk of cancer coming back, that can improve other breast cancer outcomes. So they may have lower risk of the cancer showing up anywhere um, or live longer because of their radiation therapy. So that's the case for most women, particularly um, women before they get into elderly age, where it improves their overall survival after a lumpectomy and reduce the risk of the cancer coming back. In terms of potential side effects of treatment, so one thing that I like to remind patients of is it's important for them to have a 
a conversation with their radiation oncologist about their case in particular, um, because depending on what the treatment is, that will kind of depend on what their side effects may be. And it's also important to remember that radiation is a local regional therapy. Uh, so side effects are all related to what's nearby. So they can't extrapolate what someone who is undergoing a head and neck radiation, what their side effects are, or if they're going undergoing radiation to their pelvis. They're completely different. Um, so for breast cancer, if, say, we're just treating the breast after a lumpectomy, which is just an excision of the tumor in the breast and um, keeping the rest of the breast, the main side effects are going to be fatigue or having a reduction in energy, skin irritation, and feeling achy or tender in the breast. That's going to be uh, that's going to be it for the most part. So most women are kept comfortable with over-the-counter pain medications if they need it, like Advil or Tylenol, and skincare. So I ask women to moisturize, you know, three to four times a day in the area that we're treating, and women do well. Women do well with that treatment. You know, one of the common things or questions that I uh, get a lot of times is, you know, um, the appearance of the breasts. Mm -hmm. um, so does radiation change the appearance of the breasts at all? Yeah, yeah, it certainly can. Um, so the main things in terms of appearance, so radiation can cause a tan. Um, so if you tan to the sun, you're more likely to tan to the radiation therapy. Um, it doesn't have to do with whether you burn to the sun or not. The tan after treatment fades with time, but may not go away completely. So they can have a residual tan that tends to be faint or mild in most patients by time we get to a year. The texture of the breast can change, so it can feel different than the other side. So it can feel thicker, doughier, firmer. It can get a little smaller, sit a little higher, look a little fuller, um, those kinds of changes. When we look at studies that have evaluated what's a cosmetic outcome or the appearance of the breast after whole breast radiation therapy, for instance, about 85% of women will have good or excellent cosmetic outcome. Now there are, for women who have low-risk, early-stage estrogen receptor-positive breast cancer, they may be eligible for just treating part of the breast after a lumpectomy, which is called partial breast radiation. And there are less cosmetic side effects um, to some of those uh, treatments. Okay, perfect. So, you know, you've told us a lot about kind of what you do in your day-to-day -day job as a doctor, but as you know, um, there's so many disparities with black women and, and with breast cancer in general. One of the ways that we improve those disparities is through research. And so, um, you know, we'd like to just know, like, are you involved in any research at all? And if so, like, what kinds of things are you doing to help us out? So... One project that I've started is looking at women with triple negative breast cancer that have tissue samples that have been uh, genomically profiled and using their the data for their local regional recurrence or the likelihood that the cancer comes back in the breast or the regional lymph nodes associated with the breast and looking at white and black women in that study. 
Um, so it was a very small study, but we did see that black women had a higher local regional recurrence risk and that there were genes that were expressed differently associated with that risk between black and white women. So it's something that I'm looking forward to exploring further in a larger a larger patient population. It's unclear how genetics interact with environmental and other biologic factors. Um, we call that nature versus nurture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so kind of exploring that further, I think, is, is going to be something that's important um, for the black community in terms of understanding risk of breast cancer further. You know, one thing when we always uh, bring up research, you know, one of the important things that we think about is what they call clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any clinical trials that you know about, maybe even here at Moffitt, um, that would potentially help patients with breast cancer? Yeah, we have we have a lot of clinical trials in the, in the breast department. One trial that I'm involved in uh, leading at Moffitt that's a national a national trial is a de-escalation study. So basically what that means is what are the clinical situations where we can do less radiation or um, omit radiation entirely and still have good outcomes. So there are women with estrogen receptor positive disease that have one to three lymph nodes. There's a lot of data suggesting that these women benefit from radiation, but there's a group of women who may have a very low recurrence risk without radiation. So the study is looking at randomizing women between the standard arm, which is getting radiation per standard of care, and the investigational arm is reducing radiation therapy. So randomized controlled trial um, just means that I don't choose as a physician and the patient doesn't choose which treatment group they're in, but it's um, decided kind of randomly so that it's it's fair to everyone enrolled and is equally distributed uh, amongst the, the patients. So, you know, if someone's listening, either has breast cancer themselves, their loved one may have breast cancer, and they say, hey, that might be a clinical trial that I'm interested in, or maybe even other research that they want to make sure that they improve breast cancer for other people. How would they know about that, or how would they get involved? Or can you give us some information for the listeners of if they're, if they're interested? Yeah. So when it's always appropriate to come in for a, a consultation or an opinion um, when talking to your physician, asking if there's any clinical trials that would be appropriate for you. It's also something that we bring up in our tumor boards or the multidisciplinary discussions of more difficult cases um, where we discuss clinical trials and in, in patients that may be a well suited for that. You know, I appreciate you giving us that information and you know clinical trials are very important to make breast cancer, really any cancer uh, better. Um, but you know one thing that I know a lot of people are a little bit hesitant about is actually being enrolled on clinical trials. You know, we hear the word guinea pig a lot and experimentation. And, um, you know, we like to protect people from those kind of things. And so um, do you know if there's any kind of safeguards in place to kind of make sure that, hey, if a woman is involved in this breast cancer trial, that, hey, they we actually have her best interest at heart and, you know, we really won't be, um, you know, exposing her unnecessarily. 
Yeah. So one thing I think it's in that I like to do is explain what the standard of care is, what it, what treatment off of a trial looks like, and where there are gaps in knowledge, where we think that treatment could be better, but we need to do a study in order to prove that, essentially. We always think that what we're offering on a trial, we're hopeful that it's better or it's the same with less side effects or, you know, improves uh, care in some other way. There are a lot of people involved in emphasizing what needs to be in place in order to uh, make sure patients are safe and that there is not more risk to them than would be acceptable. There are boards of people who review uh, trials at Moffitt or in a greater sense for national trials to make sure that safety is of paramount concern. Patients are watched very closely on trials and often even more closely than when they're off trials um, as well. Um, so that's also something um, something that's in, important and in place. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that having empathetic doctors like yourself, um, having a lot of rules in place are really some of the kind of foundations that really makes research safe. Is that right? Yeah. Wonderful. 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 Um, you know, so I want to just say thanks for taking the time out. I know you have a busy schedule. You're joining us today. Um, but before we let you go, um, before we like to end the podcast, we wanted to talk to some like practical advice, some stuff that people can kind of take home. Um, so in this case with breast cancer, um, let's talk about screening, for example, um, because that's you know, kind of on the forefront of people's minds, people hear about it uh, in commercials and those kind of things. Um, can you tell us about breast cancer screening? Like uh, who should be screened and when? And uh, does that matter if you're black or white? Uh, can you give us some, any kind of information there? So um, generally speaking, women should start screening with annual mammograms um, at the age of 40. Um, it's encouraged for women to talk to their their physician at the age of 30 or so about what their risk is and are they of higher risk and should start screening earlier. Um, black women are considered higher risk and should, it should have those conversations um, to see if that would be appropriate. Patients with certain genetic mutations like BRCA undergo earlier screening and that may include a breast MRI in addition to a mammogram, for instance. There are also uh, nomograms that can be used, um, which essentially is utilizing different aspects of patient history um, to calculate what their lifetime risk of breast cancer is. And if the lifetime risk of breast cancer is greater than 20%, um, they should consider earlier screening, for instance. So, you know, as a minority woman yourself, um, how would you talk to your family members, you know, your cousins, your sisters, your, you know, aunts? Like, how would you say, you know, how would you advise them on getting breast cancer screening? Yeah, so, you know, I asked them if they have been screened, right? And inform them if there's any, you know, lack of understanding of exactly why we do screening. So we 
less women are dying from breast cancer now than they were decades ago, in part because the implementation of screening and catching breast cancer early. Um, so when we catch it early, women do very well with their treatment, and they often require less treatment than, than if it's caught later. And the risks of, related to screening are, are small, and the benefits are, are big. Now, excuse my ignorance on this, um, but you mentioned the way that we screen is through a mammogram. I'm not really sure what that is. Can you just help the listeners say, like, what is a mammogram? Yeah, so, um, so a mammogram is where you're having essentially an image taken of the breast tissue, um, and it allows so us... So a mammogram is not surgery? A mammogram is not surgery. Perfect. All right. Yeah, a mammogram is not surgery. Um, so it's completely non-invasive, and it gives a, uh, a detailed image of the breast tissue and allows us to look for anything that may be abnormal. So where, where do people get these mammograms? Like, is this something that they ask their primary doctor for? Do they have to come to Moffitt for this? Where, where can people get these done? So there's a, a lot of places um, to get mammograms done um, at general imaging centers. They don't have to be at a cancer center, um, and their primary care physician can um, can write them for a, a script to go get a mammogram. They don't have to see a cancer doctor or anything like that. Wonderful. You know, one of the cool things that I see is that they actually have these mobile mammogram vans that actually go like I saw one at the Bucks uh football game one time yeah. uh, and I was there and so um, sometimes the mammogram will come to you yeah it's true <laughs> so uh, so I think that's that's really awesome so you know we're talking about breast cancer and screening and those things are very important but you know I think for the people at home one thing that is very confusing is should they give themselves breast exams should they not give themselves breast exams if they should do it when should they do it or maybe not at all so as being a breast cancer expert Give us your advice. So I think the the good thing about doing breast exams is that it allows women to get comfortable with what's normal when it comes to their breasts. Um, so breast exams are often done at their annual appointments with their primary care physician. Um, but when they're doing breast exams themselves, if they find anything abnormal, then it allows them to, you know, follow up with their physician sooner to get that checked out. Um, so it's a, that's a benefit of doing breast exams. And uh, when should people do it? Should they do it um, in the shower or people just want to get a dress or does it matter or should they be laying in a certain position? Or, and how, how do they do those things? Uh, so it varies on where they're comfortable. A lot of women do do it in the shower um, or when they're moisturizing or they just pick a time, you know, once a month or so to, to do breast exams. So there's not kind of a, a, a right and wrong way to do it. Um, it's really getting comfortable with what's normal for for your breasts. All right. So no right and wrong way to do it. As long as you do it, you feel comfortable. You know what's normal for your breasts. So as soon as you feel something abnormal, hey, let me tell my doctor, I feel something. Not sure what it is, but let's get it checked out. Yeah. Wonderful. And some women have um, have lumpier breasts and, you know, they uh, they have changes in their breasts that fluctuate with their menstrual cycle and, and that sort of thing. 
Um, and so something that is persistent, um, persistently different, they should they should talk to their their physician about. Yeah, probably even more so a reason to say like, hey, I know that this time of month I should be feeling this, but I'm feeling something different. Or, you know, I know what's normal for me. And uh, and clearly this is something abnormal. No, for sure. I think that's uh, definitely something that uh, hopefully the people at home listening um, can pay attention to. Uh, we really appreciate your time today, but is there anything that you wanted to leave our listeners with as a final thought? Breast cancer is the most common cancer in women, so I just think it's really important for women to understand what they can do to be proactive. And Black women in particular should know we're now considered to be a high-risk group, and that's related to higher rates of breast cancer-related deaths and being more likely to be diagnosed with more aggressive breast cancer. So early detection of breast cancer is very important. And it's important to understand that when breast cancer is found early, it's easier to treat successfully and often requiring less therapy. So I strongly recommend that women do their annual breast cancer screening. Most women should start getting annual mammograms at 40, but some women are at higher risk than average and may benefit from additional testing or earlier screening. So women should talk to their doctor by age of 30 about their individual risk and see if they may benefit from other screening recommendations. And along with their screening imaging, women can engage in healthy habits to help reduce the risk of breast cancer. So that would be staying physically active with regular exercise of moderate or high intensity, eating a well-balanced diet, maintaining a healthy weight, limiting alcohol, and refraining from smoking. So get your screening imaging and do your best to make healthy lifestyle choices. Well, I know I learned a lot today. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, we really appreciate you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And again, like I said, we want to do this for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so everyone out there who is listening, please make sure that you are screened for breast cancer. And if not, um, we hopefully will have taught you something today of why it's so important. And uh, please share this with your family members and we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to Cancer in Our Community. If you want to make sure you don't miss future episodes, head to SoundCloud to follow our account or subscribe via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This episode was hosted by Brandon Blue, and produced, directed and edited by Panve Bahia of Scientists Inc. Cancer in Our Community is an initiative of the Office of Community Outreach Engagement and Equity at Moffat Cancer Centre and made possible by a generous gift from Dr. Michael Fogelbaum and Ms. Judith Rosman via the Top Jewish Foundation.